praise God. How good it is to gather together as the church. Can I hear an amen? It's great to see so many people gathered together to be able to worship God and this uh, really special service as we uh, dedicate our buildings to God. And, you know, ultimately, it's by the grace of God. And I know uh, that's a word that we've been using quite a bit over, over the last few days, and it's become uh, a very meaningful word to us. But ultimately, it is by the grace of God. Hey, we are here by the grace of God. It's His grace uh, that, has, uh, that, has, that has brought us through. It's His grace that keeps us, you know, in His arms. It's His grace. It's His grace. It's His grace. It's the supernatural favor of God. And more than ever, that's what we need. It's the grace of God. One of the phrases I use often, it's, it's by His grace and it's for His glory. Amen. And, uh, and that's why we're here. Come on, church. Let's pray together. And Father, we just thank You. For the church of Jesus Christ, we thank you that there is a place where we can gather together to worship you, to glorify you, to exalt you, Lord God. And Father, um, we recognize that it is by your grace that we are here, Lord God, not because of our works or because of our righteousness or because of the things that we have done, uh, Father, but ultimately it's, it's by your grace and by your grace alone. Now pray this morning, Lord God, is just come. Just come in this place, Lord God, as we, as, we, as we worship you, as we glorify you, as we go to the Word of God, Lord God. I pray that you would speak a word into our hearts and into our lives, Lord God. We, we want to glorify you above all else. As we, as we celebrate the buildings, as we dedicate them to you, as we honor you, Father God, be glorified in everything that we do. We thank you for the victory that we have over every work of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we're seated in heavenly places, Lord God, that all authority has been given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be glorified this morning. Let your grace be poured out on your church, on your people, Lord God, I pray, so that we can serve your purposes, Lord God, so that we can fulfill the vision that you have for our lives, the vision that you have for this church, Lord God, because without you we're nothing Lord God want to honour you in everything that we do glorify you in everything that we do this is our prayer and we ask it in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus and all God's people said Amen. Amen and Amen as I said so good to see you in church just before you sit down why don't you just turn around say hi to someone say hey man it's great to see you here this morning Amen Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us uh, in, in worship this morning. Uh, it's so good to have you guys in church. It's so good to gather together on this really special occasion. Uh, we've tried to uh, dedicate the buildings on a number of occasions because I felt really compelled to honour God for what we've done. But every time I did, uh, something happened. There was a COVID outbreak we had to cancel. Something happened and, and, and we, we had to postpone it. And I know why we had to postpone it because today is the day. And uh, I remember ringing Pastor Tark and saying, you know, we'd really would have you th- want to have you there for the dedication of the, of the building. He said, I want to be there. And so we, 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 we got the calendar right and we, we, you know, here we are today on this 
special occasion to, to just honour God, to just worship God, be so grateful to God. Pastor Tuck's going to come in just a second to worship, uh, to, to, to give the message. He can worship as well if he wants to. Um, he can do whatever he, he wants. He's uh, spoken over the conference. We've been blessed so much, as David has said. Just been great spirit in the place. That's, that's what I've felt more than anything else. And also the messages and the teaching have been um, outstanding. For those that don't know uh, Pastor Tuck Barnum, uh, he's the um, lead pastor of Church Unlimited. Uh, in Auckland, uh, New Zealand. He also has um, a TV program and a, a, a radio program as well that reaches out to over 80 countries around the world. He has a conference that he runs every year called New Zealand and Beyond. I've been to the conference, a powerful conference, great, great spirit, feels like home and uh, uh, just, just a great uh, man of God that is being used all over the world. He's a man of prayer. Uh, he, he's a man who believes in the power of fasting and connecting with God. And uh, I think it's an awesome privilege for us uh, to have him with us today to be able to uh, minister this word on this uh, pivotal occasion in the life of our church. Uh, so would you stand with me? Come on, let's honour a man of God and give him a big warm welcome uh, as he comes to uh, minister the word today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, grab a seat. Grab a seat. Welcome, everybody. Just great to be in Adelaide. What a fantastic! I love Adelaide. It's a great city, and I love the people here. Uh, But more than here, I just love this church. And so good that you all came out today. Uh, Very, very special occasion, and uh, it's an honour for me to be here. It's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing. Um, I just, I love the body of Christ. I love the church around the globe. A few weeks ago, I was in Egypt speaking to pastors and leaders there and seeing the hunger that they have and, uh, you know, just being able to connect. There's just some wonderful men, women, Christians all around the globe. One big family uh, doing our best to make Jesus known. Hey, just before we get into it this morning, just to break the ice a little bit, turn to the person next to you and just say, I love your hairstyle. You know, I just wish people would respond that well to everything I preach. (laughs) No, it's good. It's good. Hey, look, um, tonight we're going to do something very different. And uh, it's something I've done uh, in churches, conferences around the place. And it's basically how to position yourself uh, for an encounter with God. So I'm not just going to, I'll talk a bit about it, but we're actually going to do it. We're actually going to do it. And uh, statistically, when I've done it in different places, and I ask for a show of hands, somewhere around 75, 80% of people have some level of encounter with God, some level of a moment with God. If you've never had that, my goodness, I would encourage you to turn out tonight. In these meetings, people have been healed. Uh, there have been breakthroughs. People have been set free. It's just... Some amazing things happen. You know, when you, pos- when you give time and you position yourself for God to do something, he, he tends to turn up and do some amazing things. Sometimes the presence of God has just been amazing. So if that's in- of interest to you, come out this evening and let's just see what <clears throat> God will do. You- you've heard enough messages. I think it's, let's just take encounter to another level if you're ready for that. But also something we're going to do tonight is we're going to pray for everyone 
pretty much up to the age of 30. If you're 31, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but like me, you're going to have to miss out, you know. So, um, but up to the age of 30, so roughly from 10 to 30. But hey, if you've got kids who are 8 or 9 or whatever, you feel you want to bring them out. And what we're going to, we're going to pray for them, what we're going to do is the fathers in the faith, uh, which is Danny will be here, Guglielmucci, um, Pastor Joe as well, and myself, uh, we're going to pray, and we're going to say something that's deep, deep in my heart. We're going to pray a prayer of impartation, that that generation will have a double portion revival anointing. <laughs> to take this message of this gospel far and wide, across Adelaide, wherever God may want to do it. And I, I just think to do it at the dedication of these buildings, because we're also saying it's, we want the next generation now to step up to take this to its full distance of everything God's planned to do in and through the wonderful buildings that God is giving to you guys. So hey, if that's of interest to you, if you know anyone in that age group, I don't care if they're saved or unsaved. Let's get our hands on them. Let's pray for them because I know that I know God is going to raise up this next generation is marked for revival. They're going to carry it, and they're going to spread it far and wide. And so it's just a starting point. If that is an interest to you tonight, uh, come along and bring your family, bring your kids with you. All right, let's pray, shall we? Father, as we come to your word this morning, um, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. As we've prayed several times throughout this conference, we just want you to know again that we welcome you that we welcome you in this place, and we ask you to come. We want you to be here. We want you to know how much we need you, how much we love you, how much we appreciate you, and how much we want you to be a part. And you're already here. We know that. But would you continue throughout this service? And Holy Spirit, I pray that you're going to draw near to every person seated here today, upstairs, downstairs, in the overflow, wherever they are. Holy Spirit, I pray you're just going to become more real to them in the course of this service and again tonight than ever before. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are so welcome. When much of the world doesn't welcome you, we do. This is a place, Holy Spirit, where we want to give you the preeminence and the first place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? <clears throat> I've never really told you the story and I can't get into it today. But um, I was raised in a Hindu family, um, uh, born in New Zealand. My parents are from India. And near the end of my university studies, I had a real emptiness within my heart. I started searching different religions. And an on-fire Christian witnessed to me with a big black Bible, bashed me over the head. And it was effective because I gave my, I gave my life to the Lord. I was saved and God set me on fire. Uh, my parents were not at all happy about this decision I made, and not happy about being a Christian, not happy about going to church on Sundays. Uh, my family weren't happy about me. Eventually would let my two degrees go and, and become a Christian and go into the ministry. And they saw me as the white sheep because they're all brown. <laughs> and they saw me... Seriously, they saw me, because I gave up so much, they saw me as a living for God. They saw me as a loser. I want to say to you today, when you serve and follow God, you never lose. 
Tell the person next to you, you are no loser. Because that's a temptation many people have. So after I was saved, went three years into the Philippines. I shared that story on Friday night. It didn't go so well. And so I said to God, please don't send me to any nation, especially not to India. Now, I don't know why, but something in my heart said, please, God, anywhere, but preferably nowhere, but if, certainly not India. And uh, so that was my prayer. Uh, not long after, a number of years, well, years would go by because I was done with nations and mission field. I get this phone call from, uh, from a pastor inviting me to a pastor's conference to speak and to share. And do you know what country I was from? Yeah, you bet. India. Yeah. God has a funny sense of humor. And so he asked me, and 30 seconds of the phone call, I just said, no, sorry, I'm not coming. And put the phone down and thought, you know, you just asked the wrong person. So I remember, I'll never forget this. I was go to my wife. She's in the kitchen uh, ironing, some, doing some ironing there for me or for her. I don't know who it was for, but she was ironing away. And I said, well, you won't believe this. I said, some clown from India just rang me up. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the attitude I had about this. And I said, wants me to come to a pastor's conference uh, to speak at the conference. She said, what did you say? I said, no. And she said, as only a wife can do, Lena. Did you pray? I said, look, honey. I don't think I said honey at that point, but I said, look. <laughs> some things you don't need to pray about. You know the answer. Is anyone with me on this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then I did the dumbest thing I could possibly do. I prayed. <laughs> and God gave me the worst possible answer. He said, go. So I went. I land in India, Mumbai airport. I get off. It's 45 degrees in the shade. I hated it. We had to then travel by car six hours, and I reckon it was 50 degrees in the car. End up, they, and on the way to my venue, they say, you are going to be sharing a room with another Indian. I do not want to share a room with anyone, and last of all, an Indian. All right. I just, I was just, I, I just, I, I had attitude to the max. You believe me, you think I'm a man of God and a saint. Forget that. I have, I have attitude. When I get attitude, it's, you know, it's not good. And uh, mind you, he did end up being India's foremost prophet who opened up my life in unbelievable ways. But anyway, that's, that's a different part of the story. We're not going to go in there. And so we get to a hotel room and outside the hotel room, there's a bee's nest alive. And so we have to keep all the windows shut. So by then inside the room, it's probably 55 degrees. I mean, I'm not kidding. They're not making this up, you know. Some, some stuff I say is not true, but this part is true, all right? <laughs> and and um, anyway, so in the night, seriously, I buckled water beside me, and every so often I soaked the bucket of water, and I just soaked myself just to keep myself dry. And there's this conditioning, a, heat, a cooling unit in the place, and me and my Indian friend had no idea how to use it. We just knew we had to put water on it. So we just kept filling it water in it, put water on it. We said, well, this takes a lot of water. We just poured buckets and buckets of water in, it in the morning. <laughs> the room was flooded. <laughs> was just, this was a, a very bad experience. So anyway, they said, look, you're first up on preaching. And so uh, and by, by this time, I was saying to God, saying to myself, I said, God, why did I listen to that woman you gave me? <laughs> She's got me into this mess. Anyway, I'm first up to preach. And honestly, you know, because I'm, I'm in no place to preach. It was a disaster. I said, God, that is the worst sermon I have ever preached. And he said, no, son, you've done a lot worse than that. <laughs> 
So here I am, and full of attitude. And then something unbelievable happens that would change my life forever. I can't really put this into words. But I got up one morning, and it's like the heavens opened over my life. And I began to experience visitations of God. There's no words to share what happened in those days. To dumb it right down, it's like the presence of God was just there. Permanently. Not the whole day, but it was just there. And I'm thinking, my gosh. You know how you get in the presence of God in a worship service? But this, this, this stays. You go home, it's still there. You eat and it's still there. So I'd open the Bible, and it's almost like everything was alive. Leviticus was alive. <laughs> How many of you know that that's God? <laughs> it, was, it was just amazing. So I, I'd, I'd, I'd put on a worship song, and it was just the, the presence of God was there. I'm thinking, what is this? I'd pray, and God was just there. So I waited for this thing. I thought, well, this, this can't last. You know, tomorrow it's, it's going to be gone. Tomorrow it wasn't gone. I thought, how? The following day it wasn't gone. A week later it wasn't gone. It wasn't all day, every, all day, all, all, all the time. But it was just these visitations, these encounters, the word, the prayer was just, the, that first encounter lasted for three months. And then they repeated over the next three years these encounters, and they were all in India, the place I didn't want to go. Isn't that interesting? The devil knew, don't let this guy get up there, because he's going to meet with God. My life was changed. And what, what, I, what, what it all came down, I, can go, I could speak about this for the whole time, but I'm not going to. <clears throat> but what actually happened in that is I came into a relationship with God that I didn't know was even possible. And maybe the most significant thing that happened was I had a revelation of the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not just a power. He's not just a force. He is a person. He became so real in those times of encounter. And I felt I could reach out and literally touch him. Almost grab his hand beside me. My life has never been the same again, obviously, as a result of that. And a lot of what you hear from me, God puts stuff in me that is still being outworked to this day in terms of my relationship and walk with God. But the thing that he made clear to me at that time of encounter, because I was full of vision and dreams, and he said, Tuck, without the power of my Holy Spirit and presence, don't even try to serve me and fulfill the call of God upon your life because you will not be able to do it. And that's why I'm always about the Holy Spirit. I'm always talking about the Holy Spirit because I know he is a king. We all know the story, don't we? The Father's in heaven. Jesus came, he's gone back, 
Holy Spirit came and he said, I'm going to stick with you right to the end. And Jesus said, it's better that I go and I send the Holy Spirit because that way you're going to be able to do and fulfill all I've called you to do. So the verse of scripture that was written indelibly on my heart that has never left me is Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It is, say it with me, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so this journey I've begun on, and you know, one of the prophetic words I've had over my life and I say it as humbly as I can, is that God has anointed me to connect people to the Holy Spirit. And that's why tonight I trust that we'll be able to do, do so. It, it, I'm just a vessel. I, you know, I'm not God. You know, I'm not anything special in that sense. I'm just a vessel that God can use. And so that's why I do this kind of thing uh, all over the place, wherever I go. So, so before Pentecost, as I get into what I want to share this morning, is that the disciples were just an ordinary bunch of fearful, unbelieving, cowardly uh, deserters who were transformed into a force that would go on and change the world. And, you know, sometimes I think of the church today, and I think we're sometimes a bit unbelieving, and we're sometimes a bit ordinary, and we're sometimes not much happening. So what happened to these disciples? Well, you know the answer. Pentecost happened. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then clothed, and you shall be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And clothed with that power, these disciples were transformed and they changed the known world. We have a measure of God's power in the church, which is great. But I believe that probably the greatest need that we have now is to see a whole lot more of God's power and God's glory filling the church that changes lives, transforms hearts, and people meet with God on a regular basis that delivers them from religion so they can live in the reality of God. So my prayer for you, my prayer for, for, for myself, my prayer for the church of Jesus Christ is that we have a God who is so real to us. It's a real presence. It's a real faith. It's real answers to prayer. We re- have really hear his voice. We have real power and we have real holiness, a reality of God that is, cannot be denied. Amen. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 verse 4, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That's probably now my go-to verse. And I'm praying, I'm saying, God, all the time, I'm saying, God, I've been preaching for 40 years roughly now. And I'm saying, I'm done with preaching just words. Please, God, I need to have your power. I need to see lives change, captives set free, and broken hearts healed, the sick, you know, all the day. I need, I need to see it, God. Reminds me, uh, the new Christian, he said, went up to the pastor, and he said, uh, will you pray for my shadow? There's my shadow right there. Pastor Joe, can you pray for my shadow? No, would you pray for my shadow? And then the, and the pastor said, oh, the new Christian, he said, well, what do you want me to pray for? You? What, what do you want me to pray for your shadow for? And he said, well, look, there's a, Lady at work in the next, next uh, desk next to me, she's got cancer. And she, um, she won't me, let me pray for her. And I've read, and telling the pastor, I've read in the Bible, Acts 5, 15, Peter's shadow healed the sick. So will you please pray for my shadow? 
I think the pastor was so surprised he thought the new Christian needed to be praying for him because he was a new believer who still believed that what happened in the Bible is possible to happen today, that it is a book of miracles, friend. This is not a history book. What happened and what's in here actually happened. The Red Sea did part. Fire did come down from heaven. Elisha's bones did cause a man to jump out of the grave. You know, the lame did well. All of that, it's true. Friends, we've got to read this book. And you know, I find as I read this book, every page or every chapter pulsates with the miracle power of God. And I'm saying, God, where are the miracles? Where is the power? Where are the signs and wonders? And I'm saying, I want to see them restored to the church of Jesus Christ. I want to see again the manifest demonstration, signs and wonders and mighty deeds. And I believe we are going to see this because of God's plan and purpose for our lives. So the communities will be transformed, signs and wonders will take place. You know one reason I'm so passionate about this? Do you want me to be honest? So passionate? Because I want power? No. Because in my church, every Sunday, people walk in with broken hearts, sick bodies, mental health issues, depression, suicidal thoughts, self-hatred, problems in the home, problems in the marriage. They're coming to church. They're coming to the house of God. They're coming to the presence of God. They're coming to the hope that they believe can change their lives. And so often, friends, they go home the same as when they come in. And I say, God, I can't take this much longer. You got to turn up. You got to start meeting the needs of these people who are so desperate to be touched and impacted by you. And I believe it's a heart of God to do that in every single service that we go home different from how we walked in. So here's the cry of my heart. It'll come up on the screen. God, give me power, not program. Give me passion, not just polish. Give me presence, not policy. I'm all for program. I'm all for polish. I'm all for policy. We need it. We need it. We need to do it better. You guys do it well here. But I'm saying, oh my God, please, not just a great program. I want power, not just a polished excellence. I want passion. I want presence. God, I want to see you do something amazing because, friends, I want transformation, not just information. We can, you know, I think the trend in the church has shifted today. People are no longer just coming for information. The desire is gone. The, the greater need now is transformation because the needs of the people are so great. Look, information, you can get that anywhere. Go online, look, listen to sermon. You can get the best sermons on the planet. I'm done with the best sermons on the planet. I'm done with more information. I want transformation. I want the power of God. I want lives changed. Yeah. I want the church to reflect what my Jesus is like. And I think he spent something like this. Some would say he spent up to 70% of his time healing the sick. That's what he did, friends. And so I want our church, I want my church to reflect what Jesus... You can tell I'm pretty passionate about this stuff. And so I'm going to try and calm down for a few minutes. But I'm pursuing the power of God like I've never done before. Not because I'm power hungry but because I believe God wants to do this. And I'm starting to see some good results. Not re- recently, I think in our last conference, a man came along and he was instantly, from he st- struggled years of drinking and smoking addiction. He was instantly set free by the power of God. Never gone back to it. 
His family has changed. His, his children, like they just can't believe they've got their dad back again. How many of you are hungry to see that kind of thing happen? Eh? And God's up for it. God's up for it. God's ready to do this. Another, I got an email came through. This lady, I think she came to our last conference, and she said, this is my last services that I'm going to before I commit suicide. In that conference, she met with God in a profound way, changed her life, set her on fire. She said, I'm now excited about my future, from suicide to excitement about the future. This is what our God can do, friends. And this is what he's written. Another lady talked to me. She had Parkinson's, serious Parkinson's. It's pretty severe these days. We, she'd been prayed for, and I didn't pray for her at all. And she was 90% healed of Parkinson's. And this is several years ago. And she's in my church today. All the shaking is very, very limited. And she's living pretty much a normal life. We can start dealing with Parkinson. Let's get dementia dealt with. Friends, this is the plan of God. We don't have to submit to all this stuff. God, who, who believes God is greater than Parkinson? God is greater than dementia. God is greater than anything that is out there. God is greater. We, we settle for less than what God has got for us. And something's stirring in my heart and saying, no, no longer. We're going to chase this thing down. and We're going to see what God does. Hey, here's a quote for you. The church, when operating in power, offers the best show in town. Life Church, there it is up on the screen. Life Church, it's time for you to now be the best show in town. We were out last night, all these crowds, light shows, people pouring out, kids out there in the freezing cold. We thought, man, they wouldn't come out for that. Those light shows. But I'll tell you what, the true light's in here. This is the light of the world is in here, friends. We can become, you can become the best show in Adelaide because of the glory of God, the power of God, filling the temple, filling the house. And I challenge you in Jesus' name that you rise up as a church and you have a goal and a vision to be the best show in town because God is in the house. His presence is in the house. His glory is filling the temple. Tell that preacher to calm down. Acts 2, verse 20. What are these buildings for? Why are we dedicating this thing? It's for the glory of God. That's right. Amen. It's not for man. This is for God. That's right. Acts 2.22. Jesus Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by what? Miracles, wonders, and signs, which God do through, did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. The signature of God is miracles. Right there in Acts 2.22, it's proof that he was from God. You know what? God wants to write his signature on your life. He wants to write your, his signature on your church, that we know that, we, that God is with us. <laughs> Reynard Bonker, how many of you heard of Reynard Bonker? Yeah. Great preacher. Do you know what he said? The less Holy Spirit we have, the more coffee and cake we need to keep the church going. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guilty. So Easter, to get everyone out, free hot cross buns. They'll come for the food. But when you've got the Holy Spirit, you're not going to need too much of that. Bill Johnson made this statement, which I love. And we all know Bill Johnson. He said, our mandate is simple. Raise up a generation that can openly display the raw power of God. Wow. So what we're going to pray for tonight 
a generation that demonstrates the raw power of God. Tell the person next to you, he's talking to you. I am, I am talking to you. Our mandate. See, we must, I must, this is my vision, I must, we must restore the power of God to the church, if not for ourselves, then for our children and for our grandchildren. Because friends, we cannot, I cannot, I cannot leave a legacy of a powerless church to the next generation because they will not survive the onslaught of the enemy that is coming hard and fast on planet Earth. We must restore God's power that they can fight against it and overcome all the tide of evil that is going to come encroaching on the next generations. Friends, we have got a job on our hands to bring back the glory of God, to bring back the power of God to the church, and we're going to get this done. In Azusa Street Revival, there was a young man, by Fox, by the age, he was only 18 years of age, and um, he could he, he, his, his thing was healing ears. And so uh, a teacher with sign language, who did sign language uh, brought 35 deaf students to one of the meetings. And Fox said to her, you're going to be out of a job. That was his level of confidence. Anyway, he got them all in a circle to join their hands together. And they just went up to the first person, whispered in the ear, said, deaf spirit, I command you in Jesus' name, leave this person now, without praying for another person, the power of God went around that circle to 35 kids and every one of them healed by the power of God. And, and the teacher was without a job. I'm sure she didn't mind. Friends, that's Azusa Street. That's the USA. Good for them. But hey, this is Adelaide. This is Life Church. It's the same God. It's the same power. It's the same anointing. It's the same love of God. It's the same Holy Spirit. Friends, it's no different. What God did there, He can do here. And I'm believing that God is going to start doing incredible things right here in this church and seeing God's power. You know, John 14, verse 12, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons, heal the sick. Every believer is anointed by God to have a signs-following ministry. How many believers here today? My Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. If you're a believer, there should be some signs following you. There should be some signs following you. Look, friend, it's not about the pulpit. It's about the pew. There's power in the pews. We just got to release the pews to demonstrate that power. You know, they've done surveys on this, and they've found that the percentage of people that get saved when the pew pray for one another, then when the man at the front, it's probably something like 10 times more. It is unbelievably more. And I think one of the greatest challenges of the church today is to release the pew into the power and the anointing of God that God has actually put in them. So my, my statement, I often don't tell my church, I say there's you know, power to the pew. You know, not just to the pulpit, but into the pew because you, there is power. So tell the person next to you, you've got a signs-following ministry. Yeah, you have. You've got one. Just got to start, start using. I'm going to run out of time here, but I've got to give you this story, all right? How many of you heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He moved in power like unbelievable, didn't he? Listen to what he said. I hope I've got it on the screen. I can't remember what I give them, but here. He said this, you'll never get anywhere. Here we go. You will never get anywhere 
except you are in the constant pursuit of all the power of God. Wow. That's me. Almost. I wouldn't say constant, but it's there a lot. I probably pray for it most days. Just the power of God because of the needs of the people and the needs of the church. And I read of this 82-year-old woman who couldn't read anything, hadn't been to school, couldn't read or write anything, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and immediately she could read the Bible. Do you like that? That's power, isn't it? She wanted to serve God. She wanted to serve the kids' church. She couldn't. Couldn't read the manual. All she could read was the Bible. Who reckons we've got an awesome God? He's he's classy, isn't he? I mean, isn't he classy? Like, you know, because he wanted to direct her in the right direction. So he said, no, no, only Bible, baby. Well, she's 82, so not really a baby, but only only 82. Only, only, Only Bible. No, no, you can't read the manuals. You can't. It wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? If the only thing we could read was the Bible. Any amens in the house? Chuck those magazines out, you know. Chuck all that other, get get into this thing here, change your life. Anyway, so she read the Bible and she came across Mark 16. Lay hands on the sick and they recover. She thought, there's no Bible college I've got to go. No, no thesis I have to write. No, no, i just got to lay hands on them. So she went around the neighborhood. She found all the sick people she could find. She spent three days reading them the word of God, because that's all she could read. And then after three days, she'd lay hands on them. Virtually every person she laid hands on, and most were incurable that the doctors had given up on, were healed by the power of Almighty God. If you are 82 plus in this house, come on. Come on, it's your time, your time. Look, every believer can work miracles if we just start to dare to step into this, pray into this, and believe for this. Okay, quickly as I wrap this up, how, what are you going to do? What can you do to see more of the power of God in your life? I'm going to give you four points quickly. Number one, and this is so crucial, develop your relationship with God. Do you know why? Because this is not a power trip. If you want power for power's sake, so someone sees, oh gosh, look at the power that flows through your life, God won't be long, God, turn the tap off. Because this is for the glory of God. It cannot be for the glory of man. And I always say to God, don't ever give me anything I can't handle. That's my prayer. Don't give me a church size that I can't handle because I'd rather not have it. You know what I can handle, God. Just keep me within those limits. Even, even if I pray for more than I should, God, just keep me, keep me down so I can actually handle it. So develop your relationship with God. And as you've heard over the conference, this is my, the number one pursuit in my life. I spend more time on this than anything else that I do in my prayer life. And a good amount of time, just pursue God. I say, God, I just got to know you more. I got to get closer. Because I've had those encounters, but I want so, so much more of what God has got for me. So this boy asks his father, what's the size of God? That's <laughs> a good question, isn't it? So the father sees a plane in the sky and he says, son, well, what's the size of the plane? The boy says, well, that's pretty small. Then takes him to the airport. And uh, there's big, this plane right in front of them. And he says to the boy, um, what's the size of that plane now? And he said, Dad, that plane is huge. And the dad said, God's size depends on how close or far you are from him. You get close to God, he gets bigger and bigger 
and bigger and more powerful in your life. So that's the first thing that you need to do is to get yourself close to God. Someone got a cell phone? Can you pass me a cell phone? I'm not going to read your notes or text that you've just got. Oh, Pastor Tart, you're so awesome. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, uh, sorry you can't do this, but if you've got a phone, just grab your phone for a moment. Look at all the hair. Everyone's got a phone. I wish, I wish it was the same if I said everyone got your Bible. Get, get it out. <clears throat> just saying. Just saying. But everyone's got their phone. I just want you to check your charge. All right? What's your charge? Um, 23, 23%. Mine's about 90-something percent. Anyway, because, uh, so, how's your charge? You know, don't call it out, all right? And most of you will know, because you check it most days, don't you? I want another, I've got another question for you. How's your spiritual charge? How charged are you in the spirit? If I have to say from zero to 100, where, where, do you, where would you put yourself? Those who have been to the conference, you're right up there now, aren't you? Hey. <laughs> Those who, I won't go there. Um, We take care of our phones. Make sure it's charged so it works. You've got to keep your spirit charged to make sure your Christian faith works. Don't come telling us it doesn't work. Because we're going to ask you, what's your spiritual charge like? How do you charge your spirit? Prayer, word, worship, get to church. Fasting. Everyone say fasting. Fasting. That's pretty quiet. Fasting. (laughs) That's how you... Some of us, no one here of course, but in my church, take more care of their phone charge than of their spirit. What a deception of Satan. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And you know, for some people... Their phone has become a very present help in time of need. And their constant companion. I thought that was the role of the Holy Spirit. I thought that was the role of Jesus to be our constant companion and our very present help in time of need. When we need answers, we go here, not here. It's got very quiet in the building right now. We keep our phone charged so when someone rings us, we can hear their voice. If you keep your spirit charged, you're not going to hear a human voice. You will hear the voice of God. I'm not finished. (laughs) Instead of text messages, what about getting some messages from the text? How many of you, when your phone dings, you know there's a text message. How many of you go to it pretty much straight away? Come on, come on, give some honesty here. One honest person in there. You all run to your phone. You tell what who is it, you know? Especially if you're engaged or something like that. 
you run to this thing daily. Some of you get 30, 40 texts a day, don't you? How about getting 30, 40 texts from this book a day? That'll change your life. This, sorry, folks, this won't change your life. In fact, I think this thing wrecks some lives, quite frankly. This, this is a dangerous thing. This is a dangerous thing, folks. If you don't know how to use this properly, you're going to get yourself into trouble. This thing is not dangerous. This, well, it's dangerous because it's going to change your life for the better, not for the worse. So come on, let's take more care of our spiritual charge than of our phone charge, and we'll become Christians who can make a difference in society. Thank you. Charge has just gone down a bit. <laughs> All right, a couple more thoughts and I'm done. Secondly, desperation for God's power, God's glory. Call it what you like. They say awareness of lack is usually what God uses us to summon us to a deeper experience. If you're just sensing a real lack in your life right now, lack of power, lack of presence, lack of whatever it might be, you know, a lack of Bible, get to these training classes. What well, the best things you can do, seriously. I did a lot of that stuff myself. But, you know, you know when God gives you a real sense of lack, it's a good thing. Because then you become more desperate. So I have a real sense of lack of God's power. So that is now driving me to a level of desperation that I've, not, I've never had before. And, you know, desperation is one of the greatest gifts that God can ever give you if it's a desperation for the right things, by, by the way. And um, because what happens when you're desperate, you do things you never thought you'd ever do. You know? So you don't want to hear this. But, I, you know, as, as you heard during the conference, I'd fast one day a week for the last 30 years. But I'm desperate now. So I'm fasting more. You do things that you never thought you would do when you were desperate. Here's a quote for some of you to write down. To see what you've not seen before, you've got to do what you've not done before. Are you ready to see what you've not seen before? You can't just repeat what you've always done and expect a different result. You've got to do something different. You've got to change it up. You've got to go further or whatever, however you do it. You know, it's, you know, we've been chasing the power of God. Let, let me just give you one more test to be on this. Uh, we did what we did like, like tonight. We did this. There's a doctor. Sent me an email the next day. And he said, um, he said he had real problems with his eyes. The medication wasn't available. It was quite serious. There was nothing. There was, they just couldn't, couldn't do anything to help them. He said, during the service... Worship time, I think it was. He said he felt like someone was doing a procedure on his eyes. He sent me the text and he said, my eyesight has dramatically improved. He said, I want to get it to 100%, but he said the change was dramatic. I want to hear a lot more of that. I want people to tell me someone was doing a procedure on my eyes, my ears, my heart, whatever it might be. This is the God we serve, folks. This is not beyond the realms of possibility. This has been done in history over and over and over again. When you start pursuing the power, I'm telling you, you'll start, you, see, you start to see more and more of it. Okay, here's one last thought for you. Second to last thought. Step out of your comfort zone. Okay, the first one was develop your relationship with God. Two, desperation for the power of God. Number three, step out of your comfort zone. One of our greatest challenges in life, and I know it's true, is our love affair with comfort. I've got my lazy boy at home. Any of you guys got a lazy boy? You know, I have an objection to that. I think it's a very sexist comment. I really should be called lazy girl. And all the men said? So why is, why is that a lazy boy? Can we, can we dig into this a little bit further? 
because it, it's a real deep concern to me. So, um, uh, mind you, <laughs> I think I know the answer why it's a lazy boy. But anyway, I'm not going to go there right now. But see, I, so I'm on my lazy boy at home, and I've got my remote control there, and uh, and uh, just enjoy some sport or whatever. And I say, so honey, <laughs> she's in the kitchen working away. See, I'm the lazy boy. She's on the no lazy girl for her. She's in the kitchen. I say, honey, <laughs> I say, bring me the coffee, the the three C's. Bring me the coffee, the cake, and the curry. <laughs> we had curry last night to die for. Honestly, that lamb rogan Josh, I don't think I'll ever forget it. I, I said to him, look, <laughs> I don't care about the conference. I'm coming back for the curry. <laughs> that's another C, by the way. I didn't put that third, fourth C in there. I should have put conference in there. But that doesn't work with being uh, my comfort zone. We, just love, we have a love affair with comfort. That's right. We do. You want to see something fresh? You want to see the power of God? You better get out of your comfort zone. And then God can start doing something really amazing in your life. And my example for that is Peter. Peter's in the boat. You know, Jesus turns up. He's the only guy who gets out of his comfort zone and jumps into the water. And he sees, and what happens? He walks on water. You know, I know he began to sink, but none of the others walked on water at all. He got out of his comfort zone and he walked on water. Here's what I want to say to you. God has called you and anointed you to walk on water. In other words, to see the miraculous, to see amazing things, to see God do things that you never dreamed are possible. He's called you to do that. He's anointed you to do that. But if you're going to see it, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. So I want you to scream at the person beside you, get out of your comfort zone now. All right, we're out of our comfort zone. And I finish. The last thing you've got to do, and I'm not going to dig into this, is pray. Just prayer. You know, the first revival in any revival is a revival of prayer. I make one point. The disciples never asked Jesus to teach them to preach. They said, teach us to pray. Because prayer is where the power is. We've got to pray. It's time, friends, for us to see a great increase in God's power and glory. Always asking for is what we see in the early church and even more than that. And as we get the power of God back, with that, mountains will be moved. Giants will be slain. Bodies will be healed. Multitudes will be radically saved and born again. Churches of Adelaide will be packed out. And Adelaide will turn to Jesus. Amen. Have the musicians, please. We're going to do a grace shout. And you know how to do that. But as I was praying this morning, the Holy Spirit just started to say something to me about these buildings. And I thought, oh, wow, this is awesome. And so I went back to Zechariah 4, verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Uh, you shall become a plain with shouts of grace, grace to it. This was all to do with building the temple, building the house of God. They shouted grace because there was opposition. And uh, we always pray, God, fill the temple with your glory. So 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1 to 2. This is the first temple. When Solomon finished praying, five came down from heaven 
and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And we said, man, fantastic, God. Fill the temple with your glory. It's the cry of our heart. But Zechariah 4, 6 wasn't to do with the first temple. It's to do with the second temple. And here's the best part. What does it say about the second temple? Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. To put it in colloquial Aussie, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's the thought I have for this God giving you these buildings. It's connected to Zechariah and the second temple. So you go grace, second temple, greater glory. This is all about the glory of God in an unprecedented way. That's why I'm challenging this church to become the best show in town. Where they're lining up to get inside the doors where the building's not big enough to accommodate the people because that's what happens when God's glory fills the house. I'm excited about this. I had none of these thoughts in my mind. I was praying this morning, just praying for the services and all this stuff just started rolling into it. So I was late to get picked up in the car. I went online, started researching this. I thought, what God, what are you saying here? This building is all about the glory of God in an incredible way. It fills the temple and God just does what we have all dreamed of, what we have prayed for for decades. We are going to see it in Jesus' name. So what I want us to do, let's stand together. I'm just I'm done. But I want us to we're gonna shout grace again, not to get more buildings. <laughs> but we're gonna shout grace so that God's glory fills the building and that God's purposes for these buildings are fulfilled. Whatever he's got planned. Because we don't know what the plan of God is doing. We need the blueprints from God for, you're going to go and see those buildings, I think, at some stage today. We need to know the blueprints of that. But most of all, we need the glory of the second temple, greater than the former, to come into those buildings whether it's in here over there it doesn't matter where it is so God's word. so we're going to shout grace five times but it's with a whole different mindset it's a mindset as we shout grace God would you cause your glory in the coming years weeks months to fill the temple and Lord that your blueprint for these buildings we will know exactly what we are meant to do Are you ready for this we're going to shout grace five times the drummer knows what to do you know to shout you know to clap and then Pastor Joe is going to come back and someone's going to come back and do something. I have no idea what that is. All right. So are we ready for grace? So just, it's so important that it's not just the noise. We, we're focused. All right. We're focused. We're saying grace to the buildings that God's glory is going to fill this place. It's going to fill the buildings. You know, like uh, in, in signs, wonders, miracles, my, everything, multitudes saved, radical salvation, the best shown down. So grace to the glory of God filling the temple, but grace that the blueprint of God for the, for the buildings will be 
fulfilled, that we'll know exactly what to do with it. Ready? Because we don't know, but God knows. You ready? Five times. You're going to shout grace with everything you've got. All right. And, uh, and then clap and a shout. You ready? On the count of three. Three, two, one. Grace. 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 Just one more time. Just get that focus sharp. Get it sharp. We're shouting grace for the glory of God. I feel this. I feel this, folks. I feel it. To fill this temple. I think God's going to do some amazing things, Joe, in this place. I just think there's some amazing... This. I mean, the whole thing's been supernatural from last time we came. I just think that God's up to more than we think, but it's all to do with His glory. So just one more time, shouting grace and glory for the temple to the temple be filled with glory and the blueprint for those buildings to be very, very clear. Last time and then the biggest shout you can give. Okay, ready? Count to three. Three, two, one. Grace! 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 His love is like the mighty ocean. His love for me will never stop. No, His arms are strong enough to carry me through it all by the grave. Come on, church, lift your voice, sing, oh. His love for me will never 
Come on, give the Lord Jesus a clap offering. Amen. He's worthy. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Uh, so good to see all these kids here. Come on, kids. Give me a shout. Come on. Give me a shout. Come on. Make some noise. So good to see them. They just kept coming and coming and coming. It's just unbelievable. Uh, just before we officially dedicate uh, the two buildings to the Lord, I'd just like to say uh, a few words. I'd like to give a little bit of history. Uh, I know we've heard this story already many times. I've said it so many times. We're going to hear it again this morning, all right? Um, I'd like to kind of give some, some history as to what's taken place and over the last few years and how we kind of got here uh, today. We moved into this building uh, back in 2003. Um, and from the time we moved in uh, to this particular premises, we were at Queen Street. It was the, the, uh, the, uh, the, our forefathers and the mothers who, you know, the migrants, the early migrants that actually, yes, I know. When was it? 97. 93, yeah. Um, and uh, it is 93. Uh, uh, you know, they built the Queen Street building, just migrants. And uh, they rallied together, built that particular building. And, and that kind of became a foundation for us to be able to buy this particular property here. It's 2003. Uh, and uh, from the time we moved into here, uh, we always had an eye on the mechanic. Uh, forget the bakehouse. I mean, we just, we just looked at the mechanic. We said to ourselves, you know, if the mechanic ever goes for sale, we, we, need, to, we need to buy that. And, you know, bakehouse was like just like a dream, uh, but it was kind of there. Well, uh, in 2019, we came to know that the building was going to be up for sale uh, sometime. We didn't know when. Um, we made sure that uh, they were aware that we were interested and wanted to buy it. Pastor Dennis, who had been on staff, had become really good friends with Chris. And, and there were always these messages about us wanting to purchase the building. Uh, and so we were just waiting for it to officially come onto the market. Um, and I remember one day talking to uh, Dominic Mittiger, who was uh, the builder, who's helped us uh, so much with this particular premises. And while we were just chatting, we were on Angus Street, and he gets a phone call from a, a friend of his who was a real estate agent. And the real estate agent says to him, are you interested in buying a building on Angus Street? And Dominic says, oh, which one is it? And he said, it's the mechanic. There's a mechanic on Angus Street. And I'm there kind of being a part of that conversation, listening to it. I said, Dominic, that, that's, that's the building we want. That's the building next door. That's exactly the building we want. And, and of course, you know, we want to buy it. Well, we did some prep work. Uh, we had to do some work legally as a church in terms of preparing ourselves to actually buy the building. Uh, we just needed to wait for the building to come onto the market. Uh, and as soon as it came on the market, then we would certainly enter into the negotiation skills. Well, at that particular time, we had Empower 2019 uh, in July. And of course, Takbana was the speaker. And uh, I'd spoken to him uh, about the desire that we had and exactly what was happening in relation to the McKay. It was coming up for sale. We were prepared. We were ready to, to you know, to, to, to do what we needed to do to get. And he was aware of it. And, and then on that first night, he, he spoke on Zechariah. Uh, chapter 4, verse, not by might, not by power, but my spirit says, Lord, and, and you know, shout, you know, grace, 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 which is going to kind of be, you know, embedded in our hearts. So um, Pastor Tuck had us shout, grace, grace. If you weren't here at the conference, uh, we, sh we showed it the first night. I want you to show again, yeah, that, that video again. You're going to see exactly what happened on, on that particular night. Just keep your eyes on the screen. All right, so let's all face, why don't you stretch forth your hands out there. We're going to say grace to that piece of land that it be released. Uh, when, when do we want it released? Soon? Soon. 
Release soon, all right? Yesterday. All right, we read it five times, and then the drummer, you can go for it. So come put some faith behind this. You know, we're going to really believe this land's going to be released for the kingdom of God, for the saving of many, you know, for the healing of many, the restoration of many. You know, the, the brokenness being restored. So much need, isn't there, in this city of Adelaide. So we need this land. God needs this land. Grace, five times. Ready? Let's go. Grace. 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 No, I just think we need to. Just, just stir that faith up. Come on. Land's coming. It's coming. Grace is going to bring it. Grace is going to... Nothing's too hard for God. We're going to get it at the right price. We're going to get it at the right price. All right. Which is much less than it's worth. All right. Okay. So, yeah. It's the way God works. Yeah, he'll do it. All right, ready? Let's go there again. Ready? Let's go. Grace! Grace! That was the Thursday night, and uh, uh, the day after, which is Friday lunchtime, I get a, a phone call from our builder, Dominic, who, who said, I've bought the building for you. <laughs> Do you still want it? It's just unbelievable. It was just unbelievable. You might say it's a coincidence, but we know it was a God thing. We know it was one of those moments. It was a Kairos moment when that was ordained by God. And unbeknown to us, he had purchased the building on our behalf, you know, and if the story kind of stopped there, it'd be, a, it'd be a great story. But the nature of grace is that God says, but just, just wait, there's more. <laughs> it, 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 you know, mercy is forgiveness, but grace says, no, that there's more. And, and, and so we took possession of the building in October. And um, I remember different times we were in the car park, a bunch of young people, and the young people started to go towards the bakehouse. Grace, grace, towards the bakehouse. They were kind of shouting in the car park. I said, take it easy, guys. We've got a mortgage to pay. You know, so just, <laughs> just relax. Um, well, in December 2019, we received a phone call from a real estate agent uh, saying uh, the bakehouse was for sale. Were we interested in and Luke Morocco took the call. He nearly fell off his chair. He rings. He puts it through to Pastor Joseph. Pastor Joseph rings me. I mean, you've got to be joking. It's incredible, unbelievable. Um, and we were beside ourselves. And so the negotiations began. Um, and as you know, by March 2020, COVID hit and the economy was all over the place. And, and so negotiations continued through that particular period um, until we finally uh, settled on a price and we signed unconditionally because we, we wanted the building and we didn't want to put any obstacles in, in, in the way. Uh, and now the little, little, little issue was to get the money. So, you know, uh, only a small thing, but it was fine. Uh, so we approached the banks, uh, you know, the banks we'd been dealing with, and they were not interested in giving us the money. They just barely gave us the money for the mechanic being an association and so on. And, and I remember the ladies just saying to me, no, look, look, there's no way that we can help you with this. And so um, too risky in a COVID environment. 
And thank God uh, we were able to get the loan from the Baptist Union who, who actually fund these kind of purchases uh, where churches are not able to get money from the banks because it's a, it's a little bit risky uh, for, the, for the banks. They're very happy to fund uh, these kind of situations. And, uh, you know, I walk past the buildings because I park my car in the car, but I walk past. I still can't believe it. <laughs> I just still can't believe it. I walk past and I say, God, you're so gr- it was so grateful, God. You're just an amazing God. You're just an amazing God. Um, now, what, what people may not know is that uh, the site here on Angus Street, uh, where we are, and we've talked about this here at church, uh, was where the first Anglican church was built. Back in, back in 1850, there was a, an Anglican church that was built on the WEA site and kind of incorporated uh, this particular land. And Mr. George Fife Angus, Angus Street is named after Mr. George Fife Angus, and he was a committed Christian. Uh, and he funded one of the first missionaries as part of that church to reach out uh, to the Aboriginals in, 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 our, in our state and so on and so on. Um, he said this in 1844. He said, it is hoped that South Australia will become the headquarters for the diffusion of Christianity in the Southern Hemisphere. Unbelievable. He had a vision for missions. Uh, he, he wanted to build a, a training institute where ministers could be trained. Uh, and he had, a, he had a, a vision for the nations. And, and I just pray that God, God would give us that same vision. That that same spirit that, that God intended for this particular area would, 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 would still be inside of us. That we would be a missions church. A vision to train leaders that would reach the nations of the world. Bakehouse Theatre was uh, first a bakery. In Jesus' name. I think there's something there. I think we need to just ponder that. It's very prophetic. <laughs> then it was owned by the Communist Party. And then it was leased to the theatre company. Uh, and now it will be used by, for, as a place of worship unto the Lord. Come on, can I hear an amen? <laughs> Question we've been asked a lot is why the buildings? Uh, what, what, what are we going to use the buildings for? Well, there's two main reasons. We've kind of heard about this already. Uh, firstly, it's so that the generations to come have land that they can develop. As the church grows, as the needs change, as the vision expands, there's plenty of room for expansion on this property. We can, we can go up and, and you know, 10 stories, 12, whatever it is, there's plenty of room. Um, we're in this property here today because of generations have sacrificed. And we have built on the sacrifices of previous generations. And we want to do the same for the generations to come. Um, how many people know we serve a generational God? Amen? Amen. We want to be stewards of what God has given us. We want to be stewards of what God has, what, what previous generations have handed to us. We want to be stewards of that, and we want to hand something on to the generations that are to come. We want to leave a legacy that enables the generations to come to do even greater things for God. Uh, there's a particular butterfly called the monarch butterfly that travels from Canada to Mexico to winter. And what's interesting about this butterfly is that it takes up to four generations to get there. Um, The butterflies that leave Canada won't get to Mexico, but the fourth generation will. And the only reason why they get there is because every generation is doing its part. And I, and I, I believe there's a lesson there for us. 
that God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of Lois, Eunice, and then Timothy. And what God started to do in this church many years ago was not the destination. God has something greater way, way out there. Um, God has a destination for the future. We don't even know what that is. But we just want to do our part in this generation in passing the baton on to the next generation. We honour the past so that it can become a springboard for what God wants to do in the future. We never want to forget the past. We don't ever want to forget the sacrifices that have been done in the past, but we don't want to live in the past either. We want it to be a springboard for what God wants to do in the future where God wants to take this church and the generations to come. And to honour that principle, we've decided to have two children today that are actually going to cut the ribbon. We've got a ribbon outside as long as it doesn't rain. Uh, we've, got, we've got two children that are going to cut the ribbon today as, a, as an official opening of the two buildings. Uh, Amber Morocco is going to be, uh, going to be cutting the, the, the first ribbon. And uh, she, she's going to represent uh, where we've come from. She's a fifth generation Christian in this church. Her great, great, great grandmother uh, was on Noah's Ark and, and uh, she... She, 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 uh, uh, she, she's going to be cutting the ribbon representing uh, where we've come from. And then we have Oscar Lubega who represents the future generations and uh, of the people to come. And he's also going to cut the ribbon and, and that's representing where we're going in the future. So the purpose of the buildings is, first of all, for the generations to come. Second reason for purchasing the buildings as we've already heard, is to see lives transformed by the grace of God. Thank God for buildings. Thank God for land. Thank God for buildings. God is interested in land and He is interested in buildings. But ultimately, God is not so much interested in buildings, He's interested in people, in lives changed. Buildings are temporal, lives are eternal. And seeing God in seeing lives transformed by the grace of God. God told the people of Israel to build the temple or the tabernacle. He said, and there I will meet with you and there I will speak with you. And that's the heart of God for this place. It's a place where people will, will meet with God and where God can speak a word into their lives. And our prayer is going to be that this site, these buildings are going to be used to see people's lives transformed, marriages restored, people healed, set free, taught the word of God and ultimately seeing people come to a knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So in preparation for today, we asked some people here at church, um, what does Life Christian Centre mean to you? What does this place mean? What does this church mean to you? What does this place mean to you? So put your eyes on the screen and, and let's see um, what they said. I've been coming to uh, Life Christian Centre since, well, since I opened these doors, I've been coming to Life Christian Centre and I've never looked back. I've met so many wonderful people and I've felt the love of God here. And I've been on this journey since I think they opened here in 94. And I had my two boys here, they were young. They grew up here and now they've got their children coming here, which is, it's, it's just been such a blessing and it's helped me throughout my journey. I've grown so much and I don't think I could ever have been the person I am today if it wasn't for, for this church and the teachings and the preaching and the many wonderful people that I've met here. 
I really love getting up in the morning and then just knowing that I'm coming to church, getting ready, you know, um, having that time with God, that quiet time with God, and then getting here and just having that praise and worship. I feel like it just lifts my soul so much. I really enjoy singing, even though I'm not a great singer, but I just love coming here and worshiping with everybody. We came to Australia 10 years ago, and since we came here, we have been um, attending uh, Life Church. There are churches where you, you are very welcome. There are churches where you have a very solid preaching of the Word. But in Life Center, in Life Christian Center, I found that both things is a welcome church and a preaching preaching that is solid and based in the scripture. And it is, these are things so important for us. Life Church is my family. It's where I grew up. Um, I was uh, instructed in this church. I was um, disciplined in this church and I was loved. And I love everybody. It's my family. You know, when you think of your family, what do you think? It's your family, you know? Something that I really love about this church is how everyone has an understanding of everyone else. Also how diverse this church is. We've got tons of people from different cultures and people from all over the world. And that's something that I love and I've seen over the few years. I didn't really have many good friends before I started coming here, but um, when I started, um, I've met some of my first lifelong friendships, which have really helped me spiritually. I'm excited to see the new generation come up and being able to spend time with them and just plant seeds and just talk about Jesus with them because that's what all our leaders did to us and all the people that have older than me have done to me and it's really helped me become the person I am today. I've been going to this church since I was born, grew up with my family, a third generation Christian um, and it's just really been really impactful to see the, the influence that the people around me and just being here week in week out and just having that weekly influence in my life and yet yeah, through like the big events like conference and camp it's just great to see God move in a, such a big way. For the future I really hope to see more people come to know God um, just even you know just looking at our world right now even just looking at Adelaide there's a lot of people who don't know God and I really hope that over the next couple years that people will come to this house as a place of refuge and that this house will you know bring together people who are broken and that they'll get to truly know the love of Jesus I am the part of the past and the present of the church but I see a new generation that is the present and the future of the church and I meet with these people in the present and so what I see is that this church will continue because there is a generation of leaders, of preachers, of people that are committed, and they will continue. What I see in the future is to be a beacon of light that brings hope in the city of Adelaide, a place where lost souls can find restoration and hope through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my vision. I've been ushering for uh, over 20 years now, I reckon, or just under 20 years. I'm, I'm due for retirement soon, but <laughs> I meet so many people, you know. It's just, uh, it's great to be part of the people that walk in, you smile, say good morning, God bless you, whatever, you know, like, you welcome people. It's been really, really good doing that. 
I really like all the young people growing up now and seeing the next generation because I've been here when they were little, so I've seen them all grow up now. It's really exciting for them. I get excited to um, just be in the house of the Lord and um, just like being fellowship with one another because although we can spend time with God every day, I think something changes when we get to share those experiences with other people. Will you stand to your feet? Bible says, this is the scripture that I had. Bible says that after Solomon prayed and dedicated the temple to the Lord, fire came down from heaven. I'm not sure we want fire to come down here to this morning, just touch and consume the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Um, more than anything else, what we need is the presence of God. More than anything else is we want God to show up every time we gather in every different context, every different congregation, every different meeting, we want the glory of the Lord to come. So I'm going to invite Pastor Tark Bana to come to dedicate these buildings uh, to the Lord. And our prayer is that God is going to fill this place with His glory, by His grace, and ultimately for His glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so, so I'm just going to pray, and uh, why don't you join with me, and let's just believe God. What, weren't those testimonies something amazing, eh? Just fantastic to hear them, and uh, just this huge focus on the next generation, which um, clearly is the future of the church, and so we're going to pray for those people tonight as well. But right now, we just want to dedicate this building uh, to the Lord. So let's just, let's just pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you for um, your amazing grace. Lord, we stand in awe of you, what you have done in the, this church historically over the five generations. Lord, we acknowledge those who have gone before that have made possible this day today and the dedication of these buildings. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have with the future generations that will continue the, the work that has begun. And Lord, we, I pray, God, right now, as we come to you to dedicate these, these buildings, that this will be a defining moment, Lord, in the, in the history of, of Life Church. And Lord, that you will shift in the Spirit. Something will move in the Spirit, Lord, right now. Something will change. Something will shift, Lord, that will move us to a, to a higher plane in you to a higher place in your purposes, to a higher level of your, your power and your presence, Lord, and your glory. We thank you, Lord, for Solomon's temple that we've read about. But we read also, Lord, that uh, in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9, the glory of this latter temple shall be even greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. So, Lord, as we come together, united as one, as we link our hearts, our minds, our spirits together, Lord, we, we come to you humbly, Lord, in your presence, and Lord, we say that these buildings are yours. Lord, they belong to you. They're not our buildings. We have them on trust from you. And Lord, today together, we dedicate now, Lord, as, a, as an act of our will, as an act from our hearts, as a desire from the very depths of these buildings. Lord, we, we dedicate these buildings, Lord, not to man, but Lord, we dedicate them, Lord God Almighty, to you. We dedicate them to your purposes 
purposes. We dedicate them to your plans. We dedicate them to your design. We dedicate them to everything you want to do in in and through this building. And Lord, that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. That which you have planned, that which you have purposed to do in the lives of your children, but also in this building here that we dedicate to you. And Lord, specifically, we dedicate it to the glory of God. We dedicate it to the presence of God. And Lord, we ask and we pray that, Lord, your glory will indeed fill the temple. Father, week by week, in fact, day by day, every time that people come and gather in this place, your presence, your power, your glory will be the signature of this building. It will be known, Lord, beyond the beyond Adelaide, beyond even this nation as a temple of the glory of God. Lord, that when people walk in here, lives are changed, bodies are healed, broken hearts are restored, marriages are restored. Lord, those who are on the the edge of society, mental health is restored. Lord, but even above all of that, that Lord, this will be a place dedicated to reaching a lost and a broken world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray that, Lord, from this day on, that we're going to see an influx of the lost pouring into these buildings, Lord, and surrendering their lives to you. Not just saved, but, Lord, radically saved, transformed, changed, who will then carry the flame of the gospel beyond these buildings, beyond these four walls, into the community and beyond as well. So, Lord, we're so grateful. We can't express in words our deep appreciation for what you have done for us. And Lord, we pray that this is not a temple, Lord, for anyone's glory except for yours. And Lord, it's our prayer and our thanks to you today that you will hear this prayer. You will answer this prayer. And that, Lord, indeed your glory will fill the temple. We ask these things. It's yours, Jesus. It's yours, Holy Spirit. It's yours, Father. It's all yours. But we are willing vessels to do whatever you want us to do to fulfill your destiny, your purpose, your plan for these buildings in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Well, hi, church. I'm trusting that you can see me and hear me. Uh, We're outside of the Bakehouse Theatre right now. Uh, We've heard uh, a great message this morning. We've worshipped together as the church. Pastor Tark has prayed a a powerful prayer. And now we're going to officially cut the ribbon as an official opening uh, of of these buildings. And I've got Amber, uh, who's going to be cutting the, the ribbon, as I said before. She's representing... Uh, our uh, our past, and then I've got Oscar here as well, and uh, he represents where we're going into the future, and we're going to believe for some amazing things to happen in our future. So I'm going to count to three, and uh, they're going to cut the ribbon, and when they cut the ribbon, I just want you to shout and and just give a great big cheer. So I want to hear you from out here in the car park where I am right now. So I'm going to count this three. You ready? Um, so on the count of three, I told the. On the counter. Three, two, one, go. Come on, give me a cheer. Come on. 
Come on, let's worship together. Father, we just thank you for your presence today. We, we just give you praise and glory. Just can't stop praising you, God. Just can't stop thanking you, God. You're such a great God. Awesome God, loving God, caring God. We, we just, we just, our hearts are just filled with so much joy and gratitude for everything that you've done in our lives and in the life of this church. Be glorified. And we look forward to the amazing things that you're going to do in and through our lives. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.